This podcast was recorded for the first anniversary of the RCVS Knowledge Canine Cruciate Registry, a database of information about cruciate surgery in dogs from across the UK. Hi everyone, this morning I'm going to talk to Mark Morton. If you remember last year I talked to Mark about the very exciting Canine Cruciate Registry and I promised I'd get back to him um, and see how it was going. Morning Mark. Morning Pam, thanks for having me back. I wasn't sure whether it was a, a real invitation that you would want <laughs> me back but uh, I'm very glad to be here. Good, so how is it going with the Cruciate Registry? Well, really good, I think, but I'm, I'm of course, slightly biased. Um, we've been sort of uh, live for, for nearly a year now. Um, so we, we started sort of end of July, beginning of August last year, allowing vets to enrol and, and put cases on. Um, and, and it's been a really promising start. Um, uh, vets and, and owners both seem quite enthusiastic about it. So, yeah, we're, we're pleased with the progress so far. And how many vets have actually um, registered on onto the registry or, or are submitting data? So we've had a, a a bit of a look at early data from 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 the the registry as a whole. Um, we've not done any sort of um, sort of stats on this on this any of this that we might talk about yet. That that will sort of come in our annual report. Um, but for for interest more than anything. Um, to, to, to last week, we've had about 270 vets sign up for the registry, um, which was sort of more than we sort of anticipated in the, in the first wave. Um, the interesting thing is that whilst we've had um, that many sort of sign up to get involved, um, only sort of uh, about um, a third of vets that have registered are, are sort of regularly putting cases on. So that's sort of our next area of focus is sort of engaging with those vets who uh, were interested enough to sign up, but maybe haven't taken that next step and started using it with their clients. Um, we've got um, a similar number of, of what we call delegates. So they might be um, veterinary nurses, administration staff in the practice who can sort of access your account and help manage um, putting surgical reports on, uh, help with owner engagement, checking they filled out the right things and and, and so on. Um, so, yeah, from the numbers of people getting involved, we're, we're pleased. Excellent. And you said, um, and those vets, are they all, um, I mean, you, you yourself, um, I, I forgot to introduce you, Mark, but uh, I'm sure everybody knows you, you're an, an, an orthopaedic surgeon, a referral orthopaedic surgeon. Are um, most of those vets referral orthopaedic surgeons? So this this was something that we that we were asked about when we were launching this project. You know, was was this just a project for for specialists who were doing cruciates? And and, it, and it's certainly not that at all. The cruciate registry is open to any vet in the UK um, performing um, any um, procedure. Um, and and my thoughts were, were really that that it would interest vets across the profession. Um, what the sort of early data shows is. Um, about two thirds of the vets who are putting cases on are um, advanced practitioners. Um, and, you know, that that's not really surprising because you'd imagine that lots of vets who are doing cruciates would have an, an interest in orthopaedics and might have taken that next step in um, along the sort of training pathway. Um, about 20 percent of, of people are don't have any sort of additional qualification um, and 
only about 15% of specialists. And I think that's the one area where um, we sort of need to focus is, is on getting more specialists involved because they will be performing uh, a large number of cruciate surgeries and, and, and that data is, is, is important. Excellent. Well, that, that's great that you've got such a wide spectrum of people, though, I think. So nobody should worry about um, uh, joining in this if, they, if they're not a specialist orthopaedic surgeon. It is, it is for everybody who, who does cruciate repair. But why do you think some of them have registered but haven't taken the next step? I ask this question every time I talk about it. So, you know, uh, I, I sort of tend to ask people for a show of hands or we, we do a sort of vote on um, who thinks the cruciate registry is a good idea. Um, and, and almost universally, people say they think it's a good idea. Um, and by the end of a talk about the registry, um, almost everybody says, yes, I'm going to get involved. This is this is really good. Um, so, so we then ask, well, what are the barriers that you, that you haven't or the reasons why you haven't got involved yet? Sometimes people worry about anonymity. So what's going to happen to my data? Who's going to be able to see it? Uh, and again, I'd sort of want to emphasize that this is completely anonymous. You can see your cases. Nobody else can, if that makes sense. So an owner can't go on and look up your results. Um, you can join with colleagues in your practice and, and, and share data through what we call a common a common delegate, um, but it is anonymous once all the data is submitted, so, so nobody's going to publish your results elsewhere. Um, and the other sort of perceived barrier is time, really. Um, and I suppose time along sort of every step of our workflow. So how long does it take to talk to owners about this? Now, I do sort of appreciate when I say this that I am in a, a slightly privileged position being a sort of referral surgeon and that I get 45 minutes for my consults, not 10 or 15. Um, but this adds probably a minute and a minute and a half to the end of my conversations with owners. So once they've you know, decided that they'd like to proceed with surgery for treatment of a cruciate rupture um, and we've done all the consent and everything, I'll just say to people, um, you know, just one other thing that I'd, I'd, I'd like to ask you, you know, we're involved with this project, the, the canine cruciate registry, tell them briefly about its aims to collect data that will will help not only their dog and us track its progress, but all dogs having cruciate surgery in the future. I let them know that all they need, all I need for them to, to sign up is agreement to submit their email and they'll be sent more information by email. I let them know that at that point, if they decide they don't want to take part, they can not proceed any further. Um, and I haven't had a single client say no. Um, there's a little um, sort of frequently asked questions, sort of information sheet available on the Cruciate Registry website, which you can print off as a PDF. And I give that to owners so they've got something to take away that reminds them about it when they get the email. And as I say, everyone's taken agreed to take part. Um, the vast majority um, fill out the email when they, they get it. I can think of sort of one or two maybe that, that haven't wished to proceed further. When you ask them about it, it's normally they forgot rather than they, they don't want to. Um, and then the second part of that is vets feeling, how long is it going to take me to put cases on? Well, actually, that's really easy as well. So once the owners completed their initial baseline uh, assessment and registered, all you need to do is log into your uh, portal on the registry, complete your initial vet assessment, but it's all sort of click boxes. So 
you know, how lame was the dog? You don't need to type anything in, you just select things, what are its clinical signs? And then the most important thing is complete your surgical request form. Now that changes for every procedure you do. But if you're a creature of habit like me and you only do really one procedure, you can set up a default. So we really here only use one type of implant. Um, so all I have to do is say, I want my default TPLO template. Um, it brings up the plate that I normally use. All I have to do is select size, um, briefly select what you did. Did it have a meniscal tear? But it's all sort of one box to select things and off you go. And with that surgical report form, all you, you can put in as complete as much or as little as you want. So if you want to record the length of every single screw you put in, that's absolutely fine. You can do that. If you just want to say, I did a TPLO or I did a TTA or I did a lateral suture, the dog had a meniscal tear, that's it. You, you, just, it, you can be as, as in-depth or not as you like. Uh, but that's where the delegates come in as well. You can, you know, you can get your, your nurses to, to help you fill that out when you're suturing or whatever it may be. Or, yeah, so... Um, it's really not as time consuming as people think. And once you get into it, it's really easy to do. That's interesting. I was going to ask you whether um, you could use the delegates to fill in some of that information, because I think probably nurses would be a heck of a lot more efficient at doing that routinely in some practices than, than, than some of the vets might be. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and what we have found is as well um, engaging other members of your team. So members of the administration staff, nursing staff with this project. Um, they're all as enthusiastic as the vets are about wanting to get involved and collect this data. That's really interesting about reception team because presumably they could talk, be talking to um, owners about it when they're sitting waiting in the waiting room. And, uh, you know, and so including them, I mean, I think for all quality improvement activities, it's so important to include the whole team. But this is another example where involving reception will be so powerful, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think the more sort of projects I've done around sort of outcome assessment and things, um, you realise that engaging the whole team has such value to 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 the projects, but but also to people's sort of um, enjoyment of their job. Oh, so absolutely, you, yeah. you know, it's it's not just about answering the phone or booking an appointment. It's it's sort of getting involved, the whole team involved with the care of that patient. And um, and the more they know about what goes on out of reception and things, the more they can advise clients who, you know, we've had our, our I'm, I'm going off topic here, but, you know, we've had our admin teams spending time with us in the theatre. And it makes such a difference because they know when an owner phones up and says, oh, you know, how, how is my dog doing with its procedure today? They can say, don't worry, everything will be going absolutely fine. They'll call you when they're done. But they sort of have that, that sort of knowledge of being there and knowing what's going on they're not sort of making it up it yeah no and, and uh taking still still off topic have you done it the other way around and put the orthopedic referral surgeons on the reception desk can you, can you imagine what would happen if i spent today <laughs> on the reception desk um we, but I yes think... i think you know knowing how other people's jobs work is important and, and as you say it makes the whole practice into a whole team doesn't it absolutely i mean that was one of the one of the good things about if there was any good things, but um, sort of COVID and the changes that we had to work in that early phase, it meant lots of people were doing lots of different things that they wouldn't normally do. And, and I certainly learned a lot about how our appointments were booked, how we engaged with clients, how our insurance process worked because we had to.
Yeah, and that's right. Vets having to work blood machines and things like that. Nightmare. <laughs> but um, I was also really interested in what you said about the clients. And, and you, you know, I talked to Ross uh, last year as well up in Scotland and he said he hadn't had, had any clients not want to join in. I think that um, doing it for the good of all other dogs is a powerful force, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got um, nearly 350 patients on the registry now. So, um, you know, that's a really good number. And that equates to about 3000 forms being filled out by owners, um, which is a, a, you know, a sort of a, a vast number, really, when you think about it. Um, but the, the we chatted to a lot of our, our human colleagues before we got this up and running, um, because they're sort of a, a bit ahead of us on the sort of outcome assessment front. Um, and, and one of the, the, the things that they said was, you know, you, that they quite often say to people, well, look, you know, that surgeons can't phone you every day and ask how you're doing. But if you're filling out these um, follow up um, outcome measures, um, assessing your current condition, or in this case, assessing your dog's current condition, they'll see those scores as they come in. And if something looks out of sync with where it should be, it's a way that they can monitor the progress of your dog and get in touch if they need to. So the the, the crucial registry certainly doesn't replace owners needing to phone up their vets and say, look, my dog's got a problem. We wouldn't sort of, it, it's not the only means you can report an issue or the, or the way you should. It's just an extra level on there really to, to be able to track pros, progress uh, and spot something that might be not as it should be. And another thing that occurred to me is this is a really powerful way for um, vets to be able to fulfil their clinical audit um, re responsibilities that, I mean, or general practices, veterinary hospitals in practice standards now all have to, uh, you know, participate in clinical audits. So this is one way to get involved. Yeah, definitely. And, and the, one of the most powerful things about the, the, the portal, which it's run by a company called Amplitude Clinical Outcomes, you've got loads of experience with this on the human side. But their reporting functionality that's built into the registry is is so powerful. There's a sort of dashboard report that we've written so everybody can easily see what we think they want to see. So number of procedures you're doing, complications, outcomes, et cetera, et cetera. But you can report on anything that you want of the data that's in there. You can write your own reports. Um, and, you know, if anybody's like me, tried to do clinical audit by using a uh, a sort of antiquated PMS system that's not really up for the job. That's one of the barriers, isn't it, that that stops you doing it. It's it's actually not very easy to get the information out. So when you you, I imagine loads of people are clean are keen to do audits, but start and think oh, I just haven't got time to to no. to, to delve anything, through all these cases. Anything that makes it simple for people and makes it because it's not. And collecting the data is the important thing, but then what they do with it is the, is the next important thing with audit, obviously, and whether they need to make any changes. But if they've got their data collected in a very user-friendly, easy way, then that's going to be really helpful to them, I would have thought. Yeah, I agree 100%. And and, and that's what we've tried to do is build something that people can can use in whatever way they want. So certainly we'll we'll analyze the data centrally and we'll produce reports on that. But one of the most interesting things that might come out of the cruciate registry is what people find out themselves. So somebody might run a report, I don't know, looking at a type of procedure with a type of breed in their cases. And actually that might 
we might all learn something from that that one particular procedure is better with a particular breed or I, I don't know that's an example off the top of my head but um it opens up the door to so much opportunity for 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 audit absolutely and was there any data um i know you said there's going to be a report later but um do you know predominantly which breeds have had their um procedures reported through the registry yeah so it, it's uh it's as you'd expect really so um the most common breed on there so far is a labrador um there's there's some spaniels on there um interestingly breeds that we um associate with cruise ship ruptures so um for example rottweilers and newfoundlands they're they're actually quite low down on the list um and it'll be interesting to sort of try and work out is that because there's 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 less of those sort of really large breed dogs around compared to labradors and you know french bulldogs pugs that are becoming more popular um or or is that a change in the prevalence of cruise ship disease in, in those breeds and it's probably the former that there's the sort of the breeds that we commonly see a shifting as we know but eventually you'll be able to know that rather than us just assuming that that's the case yeah I, I absolutely we'll be able to, to pull all that data out so what would be your message then to anyone who hasn't um, hasn't registered or hasn't submitted any cases yet who's interested or does does cruciate repair if you haven't signed up already sign up now um you know it, it'll this is really good for your patients and for your clients the only other thing that's on there that we haven't talked about is the there's a sort of built-in owner survey so an owner satisfaction survey sort of similar to a friends and family test if you want to do that yourself and run that sort of survey out of your clinic for all your patients when they've gone home it's really really expensive to do that or time consuming if you're contacting owners individually the cruise ship registry does that for you and we sort of look at ask them would you recommend the hospital at, at four weeks we ask would you recommend the surgeon and what your experience of the surgeon is and the same with the procedure and overwhelmingly across the registry it's positive so um when you you look at the the figures about recommending hospitals surgeons and procedures it's all really good ross um alan who you you chatted to i know he did a really good project called I think it's called TPLO to go where he sort of did this himself and and he was I think he was highly commended in the RCVS knowledge mm, awards right, for yeah, that project yeah. um, but it's really good because you can use that as a marketing thing you know it's fine for you to say look 97% 99% of my um, patients their owners are satisfied with the procedure they had they'd recommend it um, so there's so much in there to to, to, to do that um, and the second part is if you've signed up but you haven't put any cases on yet join one of our online training sessions so we we run these quite regularly it'll take half an hour of your time we alternate sort of between afternoons and evenings but we keep them to about 10 15 people i'll just show you look this is how you put a case on this is how you fill out this form this is how you do this just on a, a zoom call um the sort of mics are open so you can ask questions whenever you want it's pretty relaxed but if that's the the sort of barrier you just don't quite know what you need to do we run those sessions really regularly and i'd encourage you to join that's a great idea uh, how can they find out about those are they advertised on our knowledge website yeah so they're, they're, they're on the website and everybody who's registered um 
that the registry will receive an email um, when those sessions are scheduled. So um, everyone we've done has been full. So we try and do them as, as regular as we can. But when you see one advertised, sign up because they do fill up quickly. And, and it's not something that we want to have 50, 60 people at. It, it's really informal. So you can ask a question if you need to. And, you know, the sort of approaches, there's no stupid questions. Okay. And are they for delegates as well, not just for the surgeons? Yeah, anyone anyone can join those. That 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 that's absolutely fine. You know, it's important that everybody sees how it works. Um, and I'm I'm sure there'll be um, lots of sort of admin staff and 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 nursing staff who are the ones that that drive this for the the more stubborn vets in our profession who uh, who won't get involved unless they're 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 dragged along. So you know, we encourage everyone to get involved. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, to me, I can't see why you wouldn't if you I mean, if you were performing cruciate surgery, why wouldn't you want to know um, about about all this and how your results fit in? And I, I think you um, it's even been looked at in human healthcare, hasn't it? Didn't you um, have a presentation at a conference recently, a human healthcare conference? Yeah, so we, we submitted an abstract to the, the, the National Patient Reported Outcome Measures conference which is a, a sort of annual human thing um and that, that was except there was a poster um, that was an online event for a, for a couple of days um but they're really interested in what we do because one of the uh, they're further down the line with yeah. with assessing outcomes in this way but one of the things where where we can share knowledge with them is is the sort of proxy completion of outcome measures so you know, for for children who can't complete these things themselves, or or people with with mental health issues, for example, um, we only have a proxy model for completing these forms because dogs aren't quite aren't very reliable in completing these questionnaires, <laughs> in my experience. Um, so there's lots of sharing of knowledge there, both ways that 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 I think going forwards will will, will help both human healthcare and, and veterinary healthcare. Um, and although we're behind with with sort of the numbers of these initiatives we have, we're certainly catching up. Absolutely. We can learn sometimes from things of theirs that don't work, can't we? But that's really one health, isn't it? Um, it that's fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't see why somebody wouldn't want to um, because it's there and, and, and it's free, isn't it? That's the other thing. 100% free for vets and owners. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to say it doesn't take any time, but it really doesn't take um, long at all. It doesn't add a lot to, to what you're doing. And I think that the, the only hurdle is signing up and putting your first case on. And once you're up and running, it's really intuitive as to how you use it. Um, it's designed to fit into everybody's workflow in that it's very flexible in how you use it day to day. Um, so you just need to work out how it fits into the way you consult and operate and so on. Um, but there's loads of people using it who work in very different ways to, to how I work, for example, um, from a timing of consults and surgeries. So, you know, get get, get involved, give it a chance. Um, if there's something on there that you don't like or you think we should have, just let us know because we welcome feedback to to improve the experience for all our users and owners. And there it is, quality improvement working because it's improvement, it's learning for the team and it's improvement in, in outcomes and, and in patient care, isn't it? Absolutely. And 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 I hope that the as we get more cases on there, 
we can demonstrate that the with the data that, that we are improving uh, outcomes and, and reducing complications for our patients with crucial ruptures. Thanks, Mark. That's been amazing. Thanks for having me back, Pam, and uh, I look forward to seeing you this time next year for our next update. Absolutely. For more information and to sign up to the registry, visit caninecruciateregistry.org.